Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Hey, everyone. My name is Jason. And today with us, you know, we're doing a crossover between my podcast and Jane Bernard's podcast. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm terrific. Thank you so much, Jason. How are you today? I'm fantastic. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, living in China. But, you know, I went back to the States a few years ago and I was like, hey, guys, I've been in China. And people are like, oh, that's nice. You want to watch TV? <laughs> and so, like, it's very interesting for us being here in China. But actually, I think a lot of folks back home, they're just like, oh, yeah, well, you know what I've been doing? And so, you know, I think it's going to be fun for us to talk. <laughs> about. I wanted to ask you, I mean, I'll answer the same questions. I think I love to talk about myself, but let's start with you. How did you end up coming over to China in the first place? When was this? Why did you come? Okay. I came into China in August of 2019. So it's been approximately four months and four years and three months precisely. So I got into China with the aid of the Confucius Institutes because I was privileged. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. I was privileged to learn Chinese language and Confucius Institute. And then we had this opportunity to come over to China to, you know, continue our studies. So that was how I found myself in China. <laughs> Where did you come yeah. from? I'm Nigerian. Oh, that's very cool. So they have Confucius Institutes Thanks. at your university or high school or how did that work? University in Nigeria currently, I think we have about four in different universities in Nigeria. So I chose the one in the East because I'm from the East, Eastern part of Nigeria. So my university was there and they happened to have Confucius Institute in my university. So I just took the opportunity. <laughs> so does that mean, are you fluent in Chinese? Well, my bachelor's was majored in Chinese. So I'm a certified translator right oh now. Oh my so goodness. I would say I'm so jealous. I, no, I have to be haikai. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. Haikai. No, you you have a bachelor's degree in Chinese. <laughs> You're like need a Zhongwan yeah. Jinhao, you know. So like that's a whole other level. Haixiong, yeah. Haixiong. That's, well, you're just modest. <laughs> that's what it is. You have a bachelor's degree in Chinese. You're a translator, but you're saying Haikai so that you're just really modest. So <laughs> you came in 2019. What was your experience of the first month or two? Well, how was everything different? How was everything the same? What was it like coming to China? Well, it's obviously the part of isolation. That part isolation hates you because now you're in this reality of you're not with your family so now you have to make new families which is kind of very difficult it was very difficult for me because I'm from Africa and Asia being a totally different mm -hmm. continent with different cultures so it's more like I don't know it's more like turning a new leaf like having probably written a book of, on self-love and now you have to read on calculus so it's totally different <laughs> so I was here and there it was one word was just different yeah I don't want to go into much detail now so <laughs> you know you mentioned everything being different having to start a new family I think if I'm not mistaken I was on WeChat and you liked yeah, one of Kim yeah. Kwesi's posts <laughs> did I see this I do, I do. I would actually. So you know King Kwesi. You live in Beijing. I am in Jinan, and he's in Weihai, so it's more like oh. very close by. <laughs> so you're both in Shandong. Have you actually met King Kwesi in person? A couple of times. Wow, yeah. he's a pretty cool guy. We've had him on the show like about a year ago. Yeah, so we're all kind of podcasting together in a big circle. So we kind of all just end up meeting each other. He's a really cool. So you met when you say you made new family in Jinan. What does that mean? Like, how do you do that? Well, like I said, how different it was. New family in this sense means you have to make friends. You have to, if possible, make local families. You know, the IE shushus around, you don't really have to put them like being this family set. <laughs> but in fact, when I mean family, I mean people to be around with people to talk with people to get the isolation spirit out of you with you know <laughs> so not really people you have to call every day or they always there when you need them but people you're 
you know, you have the sense of your presence. Mm, mm. Well, you know, I came in 2012, and I know what you mean. Uh, Immediately, you know, I had already lived in South Korea in 2010, and I found that when I moved to South Korea, that I ended up, like, making friends with my coworkers. And as much as that was fine, and I met really cool people, when I came to China in 2012 for a different adventure, I thought to myself, Mm -hmm. the last thing I want to do is connect my social life to my work life again. So even though all my coworkers in China and Beijing were really cool people, I really went out of my way to try to make friends with people who were not my coworkers. And that took a lot longer. Because, you know, you you make friends with your coworkers, you have new friends in a week or two, right? Mm -hmm. Or a month, you know, oh, these are the people I click with. But for me, I was like looking for people that were kind of like me, but who were not my coworkers. So I was kind of, yeah, alone. I had a lonesome experience for a few months before I finally ended up finding a circle of friends like you're talking about and finding settling in and making you know Beijing feel a lot more home because I knew there were people I would see on Friday night or whatever. <laughs> and that was a, a nice feeling. But also, I didn't want to become that guy who's out with his friends Friday night talking about work. That's just not fun. <laughs> I get it. So how did you make this friend? Yeah. Like, where did you have to go to? What conversation did you have to, you know, strike to get them to be, you know, yeah, I want to be friends with Jason. I think he's a cool guy. Well, what did you do? <laughs> you know, that's an interesting question. You know, I'm not much of a drinker. I had never had a history of drinking alcohol, but I was sitting downstairs in China. We have for the people who are listening who are not in China, we have these communities called Shaochus, which is like a it, it, usually a gated community. Sometimes they don't have gates. And there's like a few thousand people that live in a few buildings together. And uh, I was just hanging out downstairs at the local shop, you know, like the corner store inside the Shaochu, which we all have. Mm-hmm. And there was a plastic table out front. I was just sitting there and I was having a beer. I'm not a big beer drinker, but I was drinking that night. And these group of drinkers... <laughs> They were like, hey, who are you? What's your story? And they were literally were like that. So I started talking to them and they seemed like really down to earth people. And what's neat about being an expat like we are is that instead of like um, I'm meeting some, every, you're in Nigeria, all your friends are Nigerian. I was in America. All my, I, was, I was surrounded by Americans. All my friends were Americans. But you come to a place like China and suddenly you have friends from England and Australia and New Zealand and Canada. <laughs> that was kind of interesting. Everyone has their own like story for, about, you know, and their stories are very widely different from yours and their uh, interpretations of reality are widely different from yours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you have yeah. that experience too? Yeah, I mean, I would... I don't know if I really have a Nigerian friend physically right now. I would say all my Nigerian friends are now probably online because I used to have some, but not no longer in Jinan because I've, I've been in Jinan for like four years. So my friends have to move to other cities and all of that. So my friends now are from different countries. <laughs> and I feel like it's amazing because it gives you a lot of experience about people's culture and makes you eat good food food i mean (laughs) different (laughs) kinds of food so yeah i've got that experience you know i said something about leaving africa to asia right Mm -hmm. now i i no longer have this nigerian uh, you know everyone being nigerian around me or like you everyone being um american right so you have to face different culture and you have no choice that's the interesting part of it you have no choice if you want to just go to having just nigerian or american friends then just be ready to be lonely because you might probably not find them (laughs) that's true that's the main thing yeah oh yeah you're listening to the bridge Well, you know, you mentioned when you first started saying about your new family that, you know, Mm -hmm. you mentioned Chinese terminology for family members because you're too humble to admit it, but you're pretty fluent in Chinese compared to me. (laughs) So like I imagine a lot of your friends are Chinese. You know, I have Chinese friends too, but they're just some of my friend group. Would you say that you have an enormous amount of Chinese friends because you're able to communicate with them so easily? I would say no. Actually, I have audio Chinese, visual Chinese friends, not physical Chinese friends. 
friends. We just chat online. So I hang around mostly with, uh-huh. you know, foreigners. And I'm not the kind of person that also goes to the bar. So it's more like I have lesser friends. Yeah. I wish I used to go to the bar, like coffee shops or hangouts. I love to hang out, but not the bar settings. So I would say I have Chinese friends, but not because I speak Chinese or because I hang out with them. Not really. Yeah, I wish. I really wish I have more Chinese friends. But here I realized that in Jinan, I'm not sure about Beijing because you guys are really privileged over there. In Jinan here, they want to move with their fellow Chinese people. I'm not sure. Probably they're shy or I haven't really tried to maybe have that close relationship with the girls here. So, you know, I've been to Jinan. I was there in 2014. I know I've been all over Shandong. I've been to Weihai, Yantai, Qingdao, Chufu, Jinan, a bunch of other cities too that I can barely pronounce. Uh, my wife is from Shandong, so we go back there often to hang out and stuff. What do you think of Jinan? Have you been to other cities nearby? Yes, I love to travel, by the way. Where's your wife from, if you don't mind sharing? Oh, uh, Yantai, Yantai. Oh, Yantai is a beautiful city. I was in Yantai last 2021, two years ago. I love Jinan city. If you're asking me about Jinan or do you in Shandong in, uh, in general or Jinan City. You know, you say you travel a lot. Obviously, you must have been to Qingdao. So, <laughs> I have I have been to Honestly, <laughs> Jinan or Qingdao, which one do you prefer? Okay, that's a very difficult question, Jason. I wasn't Yeah, because you got Jinan pride, but then Qingdao is so nice, right? <laughs> okay, okay. Let me put it this way. Qingdao is beautiful and the community, like the foreign community there is also amazing. So if you ask me, I've been to Qingdao and stayed for just three months, unlike Jinan. So if you ask me, I think I would probably prefer stay in Qingdao. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got the coastline. I think yeah. that's the main thing difference. Jinan's lovely, right? Mm-hmm. If, if Jinan had a coastline, then it would be a much more difficult comparison, I think. Exactly. But anywhere that where you can see the ocean, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, nice. <laughs> that's a bonus. Yeah. I was going to ask you about safety. I don't know anything about Nigeria, honestly. How do you feel in China? Do you feel like it's a safe place to live at night? Do you walk around? Do you feel comfortable walking around without someone there with you? Um, If I could give China an accolade, it's definitely about its safety and convenience so being a lady here in China I think I feel quite safe okay I feel quite safe I haven't been to other countries I would say that being in China is very very safe Mm. very very safe no matter what time you're going to going out or coming into your house or traveling you know everything it just gives you the sense and the safety yeah Mm. You're listening to The Bridge. You know, I can see from behind you that your apartment looks pretty nice. So I wanted to ask you, did you come over as a student? Yes. So are you a student now? I am. So are you getting a PhD? I'm currently doing my master's in public administration. Master's. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So did you have to find your apartment or was this provided for you by the university? I had to find my apartment. <laughs> What was that like as a foreigner in China trying to find an apartment? You know, this is one thing I would love to write a thesis on, Yeah, to be honest with you, because I started living outside of my um, dormitory in 2021. Actually, that's because of the COVID, because, I mean, you have a family, you're very lucky, unlike we we don't have no family here and we have to we have to make friends to have family you know and you know it's kind of stressful especially the covid time everyone was just trying to get out of their mind and everything was just going so bizarre at that time so the story was like this in 2021 the school their rules got stricter uh, although they're trying to protect us from the virus and everything but i couldn't take it anymore so finding a house i had to <laughs> ask around you know, we have this apps where you can find houses. Like Zeroom. Yeah, there are actually four of them. I had to up, um, download four of them. But the weirdest part of finding an apartment as a foreigner here in China is that all apartments may not be open for you, okay? All landlords mm-hmm. would love mm-hmm. to have a foreigner.
foreigner in their house, even if you speak all the, the best Chinese. <laughs> I'm not sure why, and I would love to know why. And secondly, I feel like looking for an apartment here in China is quite convenient as well. Just have your money, contact an agent, mm. tell them your preference, and um, I think you're good to go. They'll give you so many choices. However, they might, mm. you can also be scammed in China. This is what okay. they don't overemphasize. Yeah, I heard a lot of people being scammed by agents or people that pose to be an agent. All right, to be an agent, so you okay, pay some amount of money to help you look for houses and all of that. So, if I'm to advise in my from my own experience, trying to help this, you just probably ask around. If you cannot ask around, go to the apps, go to the safer ones like 58, Baker, Anjula, and all of that. So, guess an agent with a registered company, okay, like you know, Lianjia. And all of that. So go through them. Make sure you read any contracts before signing. I mean, reread, paraphrase, ask them to translate to English if possible, or you do it yourself. Because I'm not sure why I'm saying all this. Because I, I actually um, explained this on my YouTube channel about how you can get away from fake agents. So when everything is solved, okay.、Mm. One and another important thing is ask. To see your landlord, if possible, ask to see your landlord in person, so you know whom you're dealing with and whom you're staying in his in his or house, right? So if all these are settled and you feel like okay, I I love the house, the price is okay for me, then just go ahead, because yeah, if everything is okay and the landlord says yes, then no problem. I had um, I moved eight times. So my wife and I, for the first nine years, ten years, we were here. I've been here eleven years, almost twelve. We moved almost every single year, and one year we had something similar to what you were talking about. We were trying to move into the Hutongs of Beijing, which is like the downtown old old area, and we had something similar to that. But otherwise, we've had. I guess we got lucky. We had very positive experiences most of the time. I do know that yeah, some landlords are are scared of lawai、mm-hmm. foreigners. Sorry, because、uh, some. People have a history of having loud, noisy parties and stuff. So, like, at least that's the case in Beijing. I was going to ask about Chinese, but given that you speak pretty good Chinese, I wanted to ask you if you knew people who were living wanted to come to China, but they knew like twenty words, right? Like ni hao, jaga, stuff like that. Would they be comfortable here? Would they be able to live in China with very limited Chinese? What do you think? Okay, before I answer your question, I'd love to ask you a question, Jason. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. How is your Chinese? How did you learn? How were you? Did you learn before coming into China, or you picked up from China? I did the just K books, right? Yeah, these ones. Okay. This is the one that I'm still reading all the time. I have the Shang and the Xia, the first and the second one, and I read them all the time with the audio,、mm-hmm. which is available now on YouTube. So you don't have to like have the CD or scan the QR code、yeah. in the back anymore. You can just go to YouTube, and YouTube has all the audio. And then I just sit there and I listen and repeat and listen and repeat and listen and repeat. And I think I would do a pretty good job on an HSK four test right now. So for people who don't know. HSK used to go to one, two, three, four, five, six, and now it goes to nine. So、uh, I guess they they broke six into smaller pieces.、Oh. Most people consider five if you pass five well. That you're pretty, you know, you're attend university. Most universities have a if you pass HSK five level, you're prepared to enter university.、Uh, some universities have an HSK six requirement,、mm-hmm. but I, I don't know why that that's very extreme in my opinion. <laughs> okay, mine has so yeah because we had to pass HSK six before graduating. Wow! If you don't, so you are fluent. Okay, giving it away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know why I ask you the question because it's related to what you've just asked me. In my opinion,、mm. I think with limited Chinese,、hmm, that's a very hard question because I didn't come with limited Chinese, so I wouldn't know answer that. Yeah, do you know people? 
Your, some of your friends, your yeah. Genon family, are they not able to speak very fluently? Let me see. Apparently, I was talking with a friend yesterday. He's from Morocco, and he was explaining to me his experience coming to China. He came to China in September of this year. So he was telling me about how frustrating it was in Beijing Airport, literally. Because although people, mm. I mean, technology, this translation and all of that helps a lot, but... If you're coming into a country like China with limited Chinese knowledge, that might be a bit hard because I'm not sure all Chinese would be very patient to wait for you to reach out to your phone and start translating. I'm not sure they have that patience, okay? And if you cannot maneuver your way in a place like the airport, you might be so frustrated. However, if you pass through the stage of airport, like maybe living your everyday life, hmm. going to get some groceries, and if, if you're working, that might be easier. But if you're schooling, that might be a bit difficult because you may need to talk with the Chinese students in Chinese. Not all of them speak English or even understand English. So... Mm. That might be difficult, but not really extremely difficult than unlike when you know nothing, not even a hello in Chinese. That might be a nightmare. So if you come into China, in my own um, my own opinion, I would really advise yeah. get the basic knowledge. Hello, my name is, where is this place? Can I get this? This, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I didn't fully answer your question because this is what I use here in China to study. But when I was living back at home in San Francisco, I did take – it was a, a junior college. We have colleges and we have junior colleges. Junior colleges are for like easy classes, kind of about everything, you know, history, you know, basic stuff. Between After I moved back from South Korea, I just took some courses for fun. I was like taking art and I took Mandarin. But I didn't take the three-unit full one-semester Mandarin. What I did was I took – they had a one-and-a-half-unit course, which is like half course spread out over full semester. It's super easy. You go like a couple hours a week <laughs> and you – Basically, we learn like opinion and how are you and yeah, where is the that kind of stuff. So exactly the kind of things you're saying you should know this. That is what I knew when I arrived. Maybe that is why it was easier for me to adapt than some of the people that I knew who came over with me. Some of the people I knew who came over with me were like, oh, my God, I can't take this. What's going on? I don't understand mm -hmm. anything. And some of them literally after two or three months, they ran back home. <laughs> they were like, I can't I can't do it. Okay. So would you advise someone to be in your level? Probably someone that, that's not really, um, because I learned Chinese intentionally. For some people that, are, that do not want to learn Chinese, would you advise them to at least get to your level or maybe higher than how you came into China? But what's, what's going to be? In my opinion, it's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I think that you need two things to mm -hmm. be successful in China. Number one, you need kind of like a, an outlook that this is not going to be like home. You know, this is going to be different. You have to expect that people are going to behave differently. And that can take all kinds of forms that you don't expect. So you have to expect the unexpected and be okay with that. And then number two, yeah, you should have like a basic understanding enough to, if you go into a restaurant and they do have a menu with pictures, you should be able to, you know, figure out how to get what you want in that scenario. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you go to a restaurant and they have no pictures on the menu, yeah, maybe that's not the restaurant for you. <laughs> I mean, I do that right now. Like if I go to a restaurant, because there's some Chinese vocabularies that I just don't stress myself, to be honest, like engineering, <laughs> like mm -hmm. food. Sometimes I like to see what I'm going to eat, mm -hmm. not because I may read wrongly and you give me something else that I may not be okay with. So I love to see pictures. <laughs> too. I like that idea. Let's share weirdest things that came to you at a restaurant when you were expecting something else, because I've got my story already. This was my first year in China <laughs> and I was using pictures. Actually, I couldn't read at that point. I can now I couldn't read at that point, And I saw what looked like meat, you know, I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. And what came out was <laughs> lungs. So they served like oh. lungs, like chopped up. It wasn't even like super well cooked. It was just like kind of cooked lungs. And I was like, 
okay, maybe I'm going to be rude here and not eat this, but still pay for it. You know what I mean? Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, it happens sometimes and that's normal. So tell me, Jason, why did you choose to leave America and then go to Korea and then Korea to China and being in China for so long? What is the journey? Why the journey? How has it been so far? <laughs> well, it's great to get reverse interviewed. I'm not used to that. So thank you so much for being such a great <laughs> co-host with me here. Yeah. When I ori- originally left the United States, I my original intention was to move from one country to the next for 10 or 20 years mm-hmm. until I had lived in like 10 or 20 countries and then go home. I moved to Korea. Plan was working out. But then I got to China and I was just like, life can be like this. Because the safety thing is a huge thing. In America, I don't think people understand. (laughs) People have guns like everywhere. It's like, you know, yeah, there's more wealth in America than a lot of other countries. But, you know, people have guns. They actually shoot each other. I've been robbed at gunpoint before. (laughs) I've had cars stolen from before. When I got to China, after a few months, I was like, compared to my life back home, this I felt just so much safer here that I couldn't imagine leaving anymore. And I just threw my old plans away and I was like, I'm just going to stay in China. How about you? You've been here four years, four years. When you finish your master's degree, what's your plan? Well, I may choose to stay in China because, I mean, safety, it's really safe here. But I mean, I'm not really sure if I would go with the plan or maybe move to another country like the Europe or Canada. I'm not really sure. Like the plan is not really fixed. However, if I have an opportunity probably to get a stable job in China after my master's degree, why not? Like, why not? It's really a safe option here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you mentioned your bachelor's degree was in Chinese and that you were a translator. Yeah. Is that what you're studying in your master's as well? You're studying Chinese translation? No, I'm currently doing public administration. Sorry, could you say that again? Public administration. Public administration. So what do you want to do? What's your goal? What's your career goal with that? Well, first of all, I would say learning Chinese first was an ease. And I definitely hope it's always going to be an advantage to my education and my life. And learning currently public administration, I want to be a diplomat, okay? of diplomats learning Chinese I foresee Chinese Great. being maybe top one spoken um, language in the world <laughs> I'm not sure maybe English still up there but maybe Chinese in, I mean Mandarin English Mandarin English like that which is how it is right now because the world is changing China is really going up to be something else right so having this language and probably equip me uh, um, the, equipping myself with maybe other important languages and now I'm studying public administration that means I would probably have to work more with the public in the future like uh, the management HR and just something public so having Mm -hmm. English and Chinese the knowledge like these two important languages having them equipped with my master's degree I think it's going to give me a higher opportunity to get jobs and and even if not jobs, trying to solve problems that relates to the two languages. Yeah, so that's my, that's my plan. So like my YouTube, I try as mm-hmm. much as possible to translate in English and Chinese. So I keep that like notch. Yeah, so it helps mm-hmm. people out there because sometimes we have to really help people to help ourselves, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I knew I didn't ask you if we could talk about anything that has to do with international relations before we agreed to do the show. Mm-hmm. But since you mentioned di- diplomacy and you're from Nigeria and yeah, uh, Nigeria is part of the, the Belt and Road Initiative, right? So, you know, China is going in, it's helping build subways and train lines and stuff like that. Given that, you know, a lot of Nigerians are going to need to communicate with Chinese business persons, Chinese diplomats, it, do you see yourself maybe being an integral link and a translator between, you know, Nigerian leadership and Chinese leadership in business deals around the Belt and Road, possibly? I, I really hope for that, really. <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool, actually. I would, I would love it because Nigeria and China, I was, <laughs> at this point, I, I would say China is my second home, to be honest, because I'm not only living in China and breathing China. I am waking up with China. I am learning the 
culture, trying to surpass the culture I learned in Nigeria because I'm trying to forget a whole lot of things while, um, you know, this Chinese culture is really sinking into me. So having to be from like Nigeria being my motherland and China being a place I've really learned, um, lived a love and trying to, you know, learn the culture. I think working for these two countries would not only make me happy, but also it would definitely make me feel at home because it's definitely like my first home and my second home. So working like this would, would make me feel very happy. So I really am. Yeah. Plus, if you got to work in that capacity, you could spend time in China and you get to go home and be with your exactly. biological real family. Exactly. <laughs> so, say- Hi, mom. I'm back. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then when I come to China, <laughs> hi, friends. I'm back. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So That's what nice. You? What are you doing? Right well, now. I mean, I do the podcast. I do influencing. I do radio. I do all this stuff. So this is kind of what I'm doing. But I'm also working. My my thing that I'm really interested in right now is I'm trying to write several books. So I wrote a book called Exporting the End of Poverty. It's about the Belt and Road, actually. So China, you know, everyone knows China basically erased what we call absolute poverty, which is not poverty. There's still poor people in China. And, you know, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to send a mixed message here. Mm-hmm. But it got rid of people living on less than $2.90 a day, according to the World Bank definition of absolute poverty. So starving poverty is gone from China. And so China is now mm-hmm. trying to export mm-hmm. some of those techniques. They're sending scientists and doctors abroad to other countries. So I wrote a book about that. And I'm working on another, I've already published a book. So that book is actually at the at a Publishers, Foreign Language Press, FLP, where they're processing it in Chinese and English. And I've already published another book about just what like daily life in China. And now I'm working on another book right now where I'm talking about, you know, internal poverty alleviation and how China governance kind of works. So I'm really trying to get interest into publishing and try to reach out into like magazines and newspapers and that kind of thing. And it's a lot of fun, actually. It's really fun because, you know, you and I talking is is comfortable. I'm having fun. But I actually think I come across better on paper, you know, because on paper, you can write down your thoughts and then later <laughs> you can go delete the thing you didn't want to say and add something else. And, but, I, you know, I'm planning on staying here. I have my green card, so I've got that worked out. That's one of the benefits of having a Chinese partner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean... <laughs> Oh gosh! People don't, will actually don't let kill, them kill for me, that. Please. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you, then it's great. It's great. I mean, wow. You know, to be honest with you, I've always wanted to write about mm-hmm, mm-hmm, being a mm-hmm. blacker in China because <laughs> I feel that's a very, very important thing to write about, and also all being a, a, a students in China. And a lot of people are students in China, but they don't talk about the main experience so i mm-hmm. thought of it but i'm not much of a writer so hearing you say you want to write about this i feel like you're doing a great job jason well you know i have a friend he's from england and he takes his words and records them into an audio device and then the computer writes them down then later he edits them so you know you're an excellent speaker You've been doing podcasts for about a year now. If you just got in front of your microphone and started talking about your experience as a black girl in China or as a, you know a student in China, what the real life of a student in China is like, then the computer will type it up all for you. All you have to do then is go back and edit it. That, that's the easy that's part it. is refining what you've, you know, I, uh, there's a comedian. He said, I can't remember his name. He's one of, he's either key or appeal from the duo, the comedian duo. And he says that when he first starts writing, he's a, he's a script writer for movies. He's just shoveling sand into the box. And then later he turns it into sand castles. So shoveling sand into the box is writing mm-hmm. and making sand castles is editing. So if you could just have all your sand in the box already, because you just had the computer write up your words, then you just have to, you know, make the sand castle. <laughs> okay, you are really inspiring me right now. You know, this is one of the reasons why I love podcasts. <laughs> I love podcasts a lot. <laughs> okay, that's amazing. So how do you, in one word, you've been here for 11, 11 or 12, going to 12, right? Mm-hmm. 12 years. Yeah. How would you classify your life, not like China, but your life in China in one word? In one word, security. Security. Wow, that's great. 
the reason I say that is in America right now, you have like the haves and the have nots, right? People who are very wealthy, you know, maybe 20 or 30 million people who are fine and everything's going great for them. And they all have retirements and they're on, you know, Forbes talking about, oh, I'm going to buy an RV and how am I going to spend my $2 million that I've saved for retirement? I'm going to Maui or whatever. And their own conversation and movies are made about their lives. And then you have, you know, 250 million people who are like, working two jobs to pay the bills and everything is a struggle. And like, you know, the groceries becoming more expensive is hard. And so they don't have security. Yeah. So for me in China, I have, you know, the ability to retire when I get into about 60. It's 60 now, but probably it'll be older, later, 63, 65, whatever. I will be able to retire. Things don't cost that much. You know, apartments don't cost that much. Food doesn't cost that much. So I feel security living in China, knowing that if I need to go to the hospital, I can go to the hospital because I have the people's insurance. And there's a hospital next to me. I I go there. I spend like 30 kwai. If I have a very severe illness, maybe 100 kwai. So that's in America. If I went to the same Mm. issue, I would be spending thousands of dollars to deal with that. So I feel security in China, like almost like a safety net, the way that society works and kind of takes care of itself. What about you? Same question. If you have to, you know, put your entire life in China into one word. Okay, let me think. (laughs) I have two words, so I'm trying to match them into one word. Let's see. (laughs) Um, I would say convenient. Okay, it's quite convenient. Because convenient in the sense that Mm -hmm. you literally can, I mean, you can have your phone Mm -hmm. for a whole year. And that will be very okay. (laughs) You can order whatever you want. Not only food these days, you can order something. Mm. You know, when I was sick, Jason, I couldn't leave my house, mm. but I had everything I needed. So that's the convenience that I wish a whole lot of like countries like Nigeria can have. So I would say one word is definitely convenience. And if you ask me another word, is I'm going to translate scary. into comedy <laughs> what you just said. Yeah. You're saying you like China because of Ulama. What was that? Oh, my God. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I guess you use it a rival Not only Alma, tool. And also the yeah. train stations. The, I mean, the fact I don't have to move on with cash. I have everything on my phone. And yeah. I do not have to worry so much about, you know, cash being misplaced or, you know, stuff like that. It's just convenient. <laughs> this is not to do with what we're saying. I just think it's a little interesting. I'm going to Harbin next month and uh, it's really cold. I'm going to the ice festival, the major global ice festival, the biggest ice festival in the world. That's why I'm going. But I found out it's negative 41 degrees when it's windy. Minus 41 Celsius. So that's like, I don't know, minus 50 Fahrenheit or something. It's cold. Oh no, maybe minus 30 Fahrenheit. It's very cold and, uh, you know, almost dying cold. But what happens is your phone will shut off. If you take your phone out of your pocket and it stays out for like a minute, it'll shut down because it's so cold that the electronics stop working. You know, you just mentioned we don't have cash. I don't have any cash. So one thing I have to do between now and when I before I leave for mm-hmm. Harbin is go to the bank and get some cash in case mm-hmm. my phone dies and I need to take a taxi back to the hotel. So I need a card with the hotel address on it and I need <laughs> cash to tell the taxi mm-hmm. where I'm going because my phone may literally stop working while I'm there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's why I'm saying that not only because of the phone or the early mile of the mate one, you know, in general, mm. I just mentioned in like the earlier minutes about how I found my house. I didn't literally have to move around in the streets and, you know, how do you have the house for rent and all stuff like this? No, I had to do everything with the apps and knowing that these apps are convenient and safe. I mean, what more can I really ask for? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. This apartment I got kind of by a fluke, but all the other ones before I started using Zoom, I've tried 58. It's also okay. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's nice kind of just see the pictures and you look at the neighborhood and like, do I want to live there or not? Which is very nice. Before that, I used to do it the old fashioned way. And, you know, from 2013, 14, 15, we would literally be walking around, like looking for agents and stuff. It's difficult. It's hard work. We spent a couple days looking for an apartment. Now you can just like 
oh, okay, that one, right? And it's on your phone. You can get your car on your phone. You can pay your bills on your phone. You can like order food on your phone. You can get everything on your phone. You can pay your phone bill on your phone. You know what's really cool? Mm -hmm. I got this really neat tool recently. I'm going to unplug it from my computer. It'll be okay. This is something that we have in China. You may not know about it. A lot of foreigners are surprised when I show them this. This is a portable (laughs) Wi-Fi device. So it has unlimited 5G Wi-Fi and you can carry it around. It's a battery too. So it it lasts like all day. And then you can use unlimited Wi-Fi. You can go to the mountains with it, the deserts with it. You can be like on a boat with it. It doesn't matter. And you have Wi-Fi wherever you go. You just buy this online for one set price. I don't know how much it is. I'm not, I don't work for this company. So I'm not making any money if you guys get it. They have different ones. Huawei has them. This one is Great Wall, but they have different companies and stuff. And this is something that exists in China that's really cool. I know a lot of my friends back home in the States would be really jealous of this tool because then I do have a phone number, but I don't use my Wi-Fi on my phone unless there's an emergency like this thing dies and then i can essentially like have unlimited wi-fi all the time and in america wi-fi is actually very expensive and if you use over a certain amount you have to recharge but if you get a device like one of these new devices they have in china you can just like have your you know like your house wi-fi it's unlimited right because it's your house wi-fi it's like that but you take it wherever you go And so I recommend anyone living in China should get one of these. If you need to, you might have to ask your Chinese friends about them. They're out there. What is it called? Like, what is, do you know the Chinese name or? Huawei sells, I don't know what it's called. It's a portable Wi-Fi hotspot, but this one's brand is called Great Wall. We I had one last year, which was made by Huawei. So different companies make them, telecommunications companies. And it's just like your house Wi-Fi. But instead of being attached to the, you know, the fiber optic cable, Mm. it's connected to the 5G network. And I don't think you can get this in some countries because some countries still don't have 5G. Okay. So, yeah, I think Nigeria might actually have 5G because Huawei is in Nigeria. So you might actually have the ability to have this kind of technology, too, like China does. In the United States, I don't think that this would be legal because the telecommunications companies would probably block it in Congress or something. (laughs) thank you so much for recommending that so you asked me earlier what was my whole the arc of my coming to china staying in china you know you told me why you originally came and you told us that you might end up staying here you know working as a translator or you know in public administration between your two countries but how did coming in 2019 to translate to you still being here coming up on 2024 um, well, like I said, I learned Chinese through the Confucius Institute in Nigeria, but not the bachelor's in Chinese. I learned for just two years. Okay, that's the basic HSK, HSK 1 to 6. Okay, I learned in two. So when I got to China, I had to do my bachelor's degree. Mm. Okay, that's for four years. Mm. So, yes, so that's like straight up four years. However, mm. uh, it was <laughs> okay. That's funny. It was you know the COVID. I I got to China just four months before the COVID. So apparently we had the four years of my bachelor's online. <laughs> it was just oh wow yeah. So we didn't really have this interactions with like students a lot so mm-hmm. this is i graduated this year i next started my master's just a month later <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah that I probably have more two years here or three years oh, yeah. you're listening to the bridge So in Nigeria, I look at this map of where Confucius Institutes are all over the world. Almost every country has only one or two or three. So does that cost money to attend the Confucius Institute and study Chinese? Or is it a free, like a donated kind of service? No, it's not donated. It's actually cost money. And I'm not sure for Mm. now what their pay is. But when I was studying Chinese in 2017, we had to pay like registration fees by our textbooks, like the HSK textbooks. And when it gets to exams, you have to register for the exams because the test papers are sent directly from China. This one, yes. (laughs) So you use the same ones. Yeah, so we started with one (laughs) and then we went up to six. So we have to pay the registration and then 
we start up if it's something you can really endure because <laughs> a lot of people drop <laughs> a lot of yeah i think we started with a number of 300 in a class like in a class literally in a Mm. But on getting to level three, we were less than 50. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was so, wow. so hard. And um, for every level, you have to pay for registration or the exam. So, and if, you, if you're if you not able to pass a, a level, you may, you may have to stay back until you, you know, get that done and then you go to so it's not free however it's not massively expensive like the college fees my next question if you don't mind was are there scholarships for foreign students studying in china in Jinan, so is it made affordable for foreign students coming to china to study here yes i actually came through confucius institute scholarship Okay, mm. because they have this exam set up for us. And if you pass, you will have the opportunity to come over here. So my bachelor's was taken care of. And after my bachelor's, um, I was privileged to be given a scholarship by the government for my master's. Wow, that's amazing. Well, congratulations. Then, yeah, I can understand why you were having such a good time here. <laughs> <laughs> I wish all my school was paid for by a scholarship. That would be great. That's great. You know, I think you answered most of all the questions. You know, what about daily life? You know, now that COVID is out of the way and the pandemic is gone, what about daily life going out, you know, hanging out with friends? You mentioned you don't go to cafes. You don't go to bars. That's I don't go to bars anymore. I don't drink anymore at all. But um, I definitely like go to the park. I go to the cafes. I go to like events where there speakers talking about things. I was at a an event talking about climate change last night. You know, it's a free event, a bunch of, you know, experts, you know, nerds were there to tell us about their adventures and helping fight climate change. It was great. It's fantastic. And so that's the kind of stuff I do. Maybe I have dinner once a week mm -hmm. with some friends. We sit around and talk about like whatever. So, you know, what about daily life in China? What is that like? Is that, what is that experience like going to the mall? You know, what are malls like in China for you? Or do you go to malls? Okay. I would say again, you guys are so privileged in Beijing. <laughs> you, you don't know what. There are no malls in Jinan? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I haven't really asked because I have been asking that's my kind of vibe like going to learn maybe podcasts from other people's speeches and you know just hang out like that so we have that here in Jinan but not as often as I would love to so hanging out here in Jinan my everyday life is probably doing my YouTube if I really want to go out probably go into the downtown and hanging out in the malls or trying new food with friends and um, sometimes I go to the cafe but that's only when I want to work with my laptop or I have a meetup with someone or we used to have this club we have meetings about books every month and um, just you know small hangout but it's like you, what you've just said what you attended last night we do not have that here yeah, so... What's the name of the university you attend? I'm in Shandong Normal University. Aren't there, like, um, panels of experts at the university sometimes, once a month or something, where they have, like, a topic? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I guess, well, you know, maybe they're just more universities in Beijing, because we have Tsinghua University, Beidou University, and there's, like, 50 or 100 other universities here. Yeah, we have a lot of Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, there must here. be something going on there in Jinan because you know actually I didn't find out about these kinds of groups where they people to get together and do this for years until after I've been living here a long time I met the right people and then they were like hey did you know there was this thing it's really weird is it's you don't even hear about them and when I went last night they basically said we wish more people would come we can barely fill the seats and so I think that there's a disconnect between the people doing these yeah. things and the people who would be interested and in getting them together is harder than people imagine I guess I think I probably should ask around more <laughs> <laughs> I me mean, I have been asking around but I'm not sure we have more of it so when I go to like other cities I try to also see how they live there so like Qingdao I loved Qingdao I was in Qingdao for just three months but I had the best time. Mm. I literally had time because the community there, people just want to go out. People just want to like meet with other people, not really, you know, bars and all of that, but in cool settings. We had, I think every last Friday of the month, every second and last Friday, we used to have a movie gathering. We all meet in the dark room and watch movies together. And then we talk about the movie after that. That wasn't Chindao. And I'm like, eh? I 
wish I was in Chindao. Well, that sounds so cool. Imagine yeah. being in Beijing where it's more open, people are more outgoing, you know, and Shanghai, stuff like that. So, well, I got to say, I'm looking at what you're saying and I feel the opposite. Really? For me, I don't come from okay. a big city. I originally, before I moved to San Francisco back in California, I'm from a very small town called Modesto. Okay. And so when I moved to San Francisco and then I ended up moving to Beijing, Beijing is too many people, too much going on, too big, too loud. Too, everyone's going too fast. Everyone doing too much. Actually, I always, I, in the last few years, I've been imagining I need to move to a third tier Chinese city where People are boring and just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. That sounds more my pace. So eventually, as I get older, I want to move to like a third or a fourth tier Chinese city where people are just like, you know, sitting in the chair next to their home, like looking at the breeze is, you know, the busiest they'll be all day. And that that sounds my speed. Jinan is not that <laughs> quiet. So if you want that kind of life, I would advise you to come to Jinan <laughs> or even Shandong in general. It's amazing here. It's not so cold and it's not super hot. And when I said um, Jinan was a bit, I want more from Jinan mm. when it comes to cool hangouts because back in Nigeria, I used to stay in Lagos and Lagos is classified as the mega city of Nigeria. So we have, I think, over 30 million in Lagos. I think so. So apparently everything mm -hmm. happens every day. A whole lot happens every day. You wow. have chances to wow. go to the music concerts. You have this movie premiere. You have mm, talk show. You have DIY yeah. going on somewhere. You know, a lot of things going on. So I got used to that life. So coming here in Jinan... Mm -hmm. Coming to Jinan, I just feel like... Uh. Yeah, I get it. We're both coming from different places, right? And we end up in the middle and you want to go back up to really it's extreme and I want to go back to it's not extreme at all. Yeah, yeah. I guess all Chinese cities are kind of big, you know, like a lot of cities around the world. For me, as a small town boy, I want to go somewhere with a small town feeling. And for you, the big city girl, you want to go to the where the big city things are happening. I'm actually very cool here. I would not choose to go to Beijing. Well, you seem like I pretty cool. Not. I think that's about yeah. all the time we have. Thank you so much for your time. So much for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited to talk with you in the future as well. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.